0: everyone and welcome to God's plan your part a podcast where our goal is to read the entire bible in a year seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it
1: all right everybody we have a wonderful wonderful announcement today on God's plan your part are you ready for this we're gonna be done with Ezekiel after today yay you know, we, That's terrible. We
0: should not make it that bad, but it is not my favorite. We book.
1: encourage you to enjoy reading the Bible, so we should probably lead by example and not complain about Ezekiel. But it has not, <laughs> it has not been my favorite. Uh, so today we are looking at Ezekiel forty six to forty eight. We are. Finishing up what some commentators call the most difficult passage to understand in the Bible.
0: To be, I want to say something too. I'm sure you do. Do you know when you watch, like, (laughs) you binge watch shows on whatever platform and it starts out, there's like the first season is really good. Oh my goodness. And then you keep going and it's like, why am I still watching this? Like, the fifth season, you're basically just like wishing it was the first again because it was really exciting, but you just, you have to finish it because you know you have to. That's how I feel about Ezekiel. Like, it was great at first. It was like, okay, this could be pretty cool. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh.
1: Somehow this is heretical for sure. <laughs> also, when Jenny meets Ezekiel in heaven, she's going to have to account for... He'll be like, so what? You didn't like my book? You thought, you thought it was a boring fifth season?
0: I feel like God would probably have that because it all <laughs> came through him anyway. Sorry, God.
1: Oh, man. So we are wrapping up Ezekiel. You don't want to hear us just joke about it you want to hear us talk about what's actually going on the reality is what's going on is a lot of measuring um, which we're not going to dive into a whole lot and uh, like some kind of confusing locations and events so
0: I was going to say I think what this is actually is it's a very straightforward passage again you have to I think what is it's a little exhausting for me about Ezekiel is that I just want to read it for face value and like kind of dig a little bit. I feel like in Ezekiel, you have to actually take the time and dig to know what it's saying because it's not a face value passage. It's like, it's like, here's the picture, but actually this is what it means down here, like way down deep. And so you have to like really think about this is not an easy read. And like, I am by far like, not a biblical scholar and to me that's like it's a lot of work for my brain to have to wrap my head around some of this stuff or to like take the time to really dig into we're not just talking about actual measurements we're not just talking about figurative like the temple goes here and this is what goes here it's like there's there's more to it than that like it means more than just what it says
1: so we we've talked about this i would say extensively at this point you can go back and listen to um probably our last two episodes But depending on how you view this particular section that probably starts around chapter 40 and ends in chapter 48, uh, depending on how you view Ezekiel's vision of the temple, it will help you interpret the passage. Like you're going to interpret the passage through what you think is happening. So if you think this is a literal temple that was meant to be built, then the measurements will be really important to you Mm -hmm. and the, the gates will be really important to you. Um, if you think ultimately that this is fulfilled in Christianity and God's church is somehow the fulfillment of this temple, then you're going to see those things. Um, you, you are going to have to answer why they're still a- offering sacrifices when Jesus was the perfect mm-hmm. sacrifice. That's kind of a tension to figure out. Um, if you like to blend these together, you're going to blend together the things that you notice and see. Uh, and finally, if you think this is a kind of apocalyptic piece of literature where there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of um, grand sweeping narrative kind of hyperbole. Um, You're, you're going to see it that way. That is how I tend to see this passage. So that is how I tend to interpret it. Uh, If you are somebody who sees it differently, please let us know. I'd love Mm -hmm. to, I'd love to hear Your take on it. You can email us at godsplanyourpart at com, or you can leave a comment right below the YouTube video. Uh, If you haven't seen their YouTube video, you can go check that out as well.
0: Same content.
1: Shameless plug. But actually, I really would love to hear what you have to say about this, because I have not done a ton. Like, I've read some about it, but I have not done a ton of extensive reading on this. So if you're someone that has strong opinions about Ezekiel's vision, please tell us.
0: And I think my mindset, I'm much more of a black and white person. Like, I like to see things just like... What it means, like, just give it to me straight. And so when, when I think of it as, like, apocalyptic literature, it's almost like it's it's almost easier for me to see that because, like, this is what it means. Like, Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. This is, like, his place in this temple, like, image. And the other ones, they don't, like you were saying earlier, like, if it is supposed to be how the church is... Like how do we account for not giving sacrifices anymore? Like that to me is not black and white. Like that seems like a very gray area there, and I don't like that. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm sure I resonate with that apocalyptic view as well.
1: I'm sure there are scholars who have oh yeah figured that all out. So
0: I'm sure there are too.
1: The big question that we'd like to tackle today that we haven't really talked about a ton. We've alluded to it a little bit. Is who is this prince? Uh, because the prince of Ezekiel's vision. Seems to be a pretty important character. Mm -hmm.
0: So in chapter 46, we are hearing about this prince again. In chapter 46, verse 2, it says that the prince uh, will enter by the vestibule of the gate from the outside and shall take his stand by the post of the gate. Then when we pop over to verse 10, actually verse 9 and 10, it says, when the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, he who enters by the north gate shall worship and go out through the south. Um, same vice versa. And then verse 10, when they enter, the prince shall enter with them. When they go out, he shall go out. So I think in my mind, this was like an image of when we approach God, Jesus is like this intercessor, this mediator for us to be able to come into God's, like into God's temple, into the presence of the Lord, because Jesus has, will come, has come died for our sins. He is like the intercessor for us. And when we leave, he also goes with us. Like no longer is God bound to the temple because he is within us or in this sense will be within us.
1: Uh, It is interesting. There's there's a couple correlations that are really important. The first one is God entered the temple by that same gate. Right. So all these gates are listed, and they're important, and they're open at certain times, they're shut at certain times. The prince enters the same gate that God entered, mm-hmm. which means the prince is directly connected to God mm-hmm. and functions in some ways similar to God, because not just anyone is allowed to come in and out of that gate because God has already done that. Um, the other thing that the prince does that is unique is that the prince is clearly some kind of king like leader of Israel, uh, but he is also a priest like leader of Israel because the prince is offering sacrifices on behalf, behalf of the of people, the people yeah. that that's very unique. Like we we've seen Kings offer a few sacrifices here and there, uh, but they have not regularly been involved in offering up sacrifices to the Lord. That is a priest's job. So this Prince in Ezekiel is a priest King and Anytime we notice a priest king in the Bible, it's a big deal. Um, Melchizedek is kind of that weird dude that shows up and blesses Abraham all the way back in Genesis. And he is a priest king from Jerusalem. Here we have a priest king in Ezekiel's vision in Jerusalem. And in the future, we will, um, in the New Testament, hear about how Jesus is a priest in the line of Melchizedek. So the New Testament authors are going to draw that correlation as well. And so here we have um, this prince is able to lift up sacrifices before God and before the people. So the prince is the link between the people and God. Just like today, Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Jesus is God, uh, but Jesus is also interceding on behalf of us before God because of the sacrifice that he made for us. There's also the matter of the prince's inheritance that is in chapter 46. Basically, the prince is able to pass off anything that is his possession to his sons, and it should remain his sons forever. This is kind of how the land works anyway. Like the the land was not allowed to leave the possession of the people, uh, but the prince is called out, and how he handles his possessions and property is important. I think you can make the direct correlation that we have inherited sonship by Jesus Mm -hmm. to the father. And so when Jesus allows us to be God's son, when Jesus allows us to be his possession, we cannot have that removed from us. It cannot be taken away from us. And so Jesus gives us this unique ability to be sons and daughters of God. And that is also fully developed in the New Testament by the New Testament authors.
0: Well, it's interesting too, at the end, this would be something very familiar to those people, to the Israelites, Verse 18, the end of the verse 18 says, he shall give his sons their inheritance out of his own property so that none of my people shall be scattered from his property, which is interesting too. Like when you belong to the Lord, like you can't just be like left to the wayside. And they would be very familiar with this idea of being scattered because that's like a repeated theme that we've heard over and over and over again. And as we know, when you belong to the Lord, it's not just this thing that, Scatters or is gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the The book of Ezekiel ends uh, with a really powerful line, I think, talking about the name of the city, mm-hmm. and the name of the city from that time on shall be, "The Lord is there." Mm. Um, that's also referenced in Revelation twenty two, uh, verse three. Um, a lot. You, the case can be made that the entire biblical narrative is about God desiring to dwell with His people. God creates Adam and Eve in the garden. He dwells with Adam and Eve in the garden. He enjoys relationship with them and offsets this, you know, never ending story of God pursuing his people, wanting to live with them and enjoy relationship with them. So when Adam and Eve sin, they get cast out of the garden. But then God sets up this covenant with Abraham about how he's going to be with them. Uh, When the Israelites are traveling around, he's in the tabernacle. When they finally come into Israel, they build the temple. Now in Ezekiel's vision, they build the temple again. Even though the temple is destroyed, Ezekiel has this vision of the temple. And again, it's being said that God is there. Mm -hmm. And so this journey is continuing, that God is desiring to be with us, uh, to enjoy relationship with us, continues, that story continues into today, and God does want to enjoy relationship with us. So we must listen to him and be obedient to him and enjoy him forever. So, a simple your part uh, there's two. First one be so excited that we are done with Ezekiel and we'll mm-hmm. be back tomorrow uh, in Joel, I believe. The second one is recognize how incredible this story has been that God is pursuing us. Like in spite of us, we don't deserve it. We've seen throughout the book of Ezekiel that we don't deserve it. What
0: did you What did you hear recently from a good friend? I
1: heard that God is good in spite <laughs> of you and the you is me. Uh, and that is true. And it's yeah. true for all of us. God is yeah. good to us in spite of us because we are constantly falling into sin and missing the mark. Uh, but God pursues us, and we, you can see that clear pursuit of God throughout the book of Ezekiel. So I hope you are encouraged by it. Uh, that is not a license to continue to to sin. Uh, nope. It is a reason to pursue deep relationship with the Lord, which we hope you're doing. So we'll be back in tomorrow in Joel. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word, and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today.
0: Ezekiel chapter 46, Thus says the Lord God, The gate of the inner court that faces east shall be shut on the six working days, but on the Sabbath day it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by the vestibule of the gate from outside, and shall take his stand by the post of the gate. The priest shall offer his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. The people of the land shall bow down at the entrance of that gate before the Lord on the Sabbaths and on new moons. The burnt offerings that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering with the ram shall be an ephah, and the grain offering with the lamb shall be as much as he is able, together with a hint of oil to each ephah. On the day of the new moon, he shall offer a bull from the herd without blemish and six lambs and a ram which shall be without blemish. As a grain offering, he shall provide an ephah with the bull and an ephah with the ram, and with the lambs as much as he is able, together with a hin of oil, to each ephah. When the prince enters, he shall enter by the vestibule of the gate, and he shall go out by the same way. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feasts, he who enters by the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate, and he who enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate." No one shall return by the way of which the gate he entered, but each shall go out straight ahead. When they enter, the prince shall enter with them, and when they go out, he shall go out. At the feast and the appointed festivals, the grain offering with a young bull shall be an ephah, and with the ram an ephah, and with the lambs as much as one is able to give, together with a hin of oil, to an ephah. When the prince provides a freewill offering, either a burnt offering or peace offering, as well as free will offering to the Lord, the gate facing east shall be opened for him. And he shall offer his burnt offering or his peace offerings as he does on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and after he has gone out, the gate shall be shut. You shall provide a lamb, a year old, without blemish for a burnt offering to the Lord daily. Morning by morning you shall provide it. And you shall provide a grain offering with it morning by morning, one sixth of an ephah, and one-third of a hin of oil, "'to moisten the flour as a grain offering to the Lord. "'This is a perpetual statute. "'Thus the lamb and the meal offering and the oil shall be provided, "'morning by morning, for a regular burnt offering. "'Thus says the Lord God, "'If the prince makes a gift to any of his sons as an inheritance, "'it shall belong to his sons. "'It is their property by inheritance.' But if he makes a gift out of his inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be his to the year of liberty. Then it shall revert to the prince. Surely it is his inheritance. It shall belong to his sons. The prince shall not take any of the inheritance of the people, thrusting them out of their property. He shall give his sons their inheritance out of his own property, so that none of my people shall be scattered from his property." Then he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate, to the north row of the holy chambers of the priests, and behold, a place was there at the extreme western end of them. And he said to me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the guilt offerings and the sin offering, and where they shall bake the grain offering in order to not bring them out into the outer court, and so transmit holiness to the people. Then he brought me out to the outer court and led me around to the four corners of the court. And behold, in each corner of the court there was another court. In the four corners of the court were small courts, forty cubits long and thirty broad. The four were of the same size. On the inside, around each of the four courts, was a row of masonry, with hearths made at the bottom of the rows all around. Then he said to me, These are the kitchens where those who minister at the temple shall boil the sacrifices of the people.
1: Chapter 47. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside of the outer gate, that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side, Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, and enters the sea. Where the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swims will live, and there there will be many fish. For this water goes there, so that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Engolame, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Thus says the Lord God, this is the boundary by which you shall divide the land for inheritance among the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions, and you shall divide equally what I swore to give your fathers. This land shall fall to you as your inheritance. This shall be the boundary of the land. On the north side from the great sea by way of the Heathalon to Labo Hamath, and on to Zedad, Barathah, Sebraim, which lies on the border between Damascus and Hamath, as far as Hazer Hadakon, which is on the border of Huron. So the boundary shall run from the sea to hazer Enin, which is on the northern border of Damascus, and the border of Hamath to the north. This shall be on the north side. On the east side, the boundary shall run between Haran and Damascus, along the Jordan between Gilead and the land of Israel, to the eastern sea and as far as Tamar. This shall be on the east side. On the south side, it shall run from Tamar as far as the waters of Mirba Kadesh, from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This shall be on the south side. On the west side, the great seas shall be the boundary to a point opposite Labo Hamath. This shall be the west side. So you shall divide the land among you according to the tribes of Israel. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourself and for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children among you. They shall be to you as a native-born children of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the sojourner resides, there you shall assign him his inheritance declares the Lord. Chapter 48. These are the names of the tribes, beginning at the northern extreme beside the way of Hethon to Labo Hamath, as far as Hazar-Inan, which is the northern border of Damascus over against Hamath, and extending from the east side to the west. Dan, one portion. Adjourning the territory of Dan from east side to the west, Asher, one portion. Adjourning the territory of Asher from the east side to the west, Naphtali, one portion. Adjourning the territory of Naphtali from the east side to the west, Manasseh, one portion. Adjourning to the territory of Manasseh from the east side to the west, Ephraim, one portion. Adjourning the territory of Ephraim from east side to the west, Reuben, one portion. adjoining the territory of Reuben from the east side to the west, Judah, one portion. Adjourning to the territory of Judah from the east side to the west shall be the portion which you shall set apart 25,000 cubits in breadth and in length equal to one of the tribal portions from the east side to the west with the sanctuary in the midst of it. The portion that you shall set apart for the Lord shall be twenty-five thousand cubits in length and twenty thousand in breadth. These shall be the allotments of the holy portion. The priest shall have an allotment measuring twenty-five thousand cubits on the northern side, ten thousand cubits of breadth on the western side, ten thousand in breadth on the eastern side, and twenty-five thousand in length on the southern side, with the sanctuary of the Lord in the midst of it. This shall be for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge, Who did not go astray when the people of Israel went astray, as the Levites did. And it shall belong to them as a special portion from the holy portion of the land, a most holy place, adjourning the territory of the Levites. And alongside the territory of the priests, the Levites shall have an allotment of 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 in breadth. The whole length shall be 25,000 cubits and the breadth 20,000. They shall not sell or exchange any of it. They shall not alienate this choice portion of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The remainder, five thousand cubits in breadth and twenty five thousand in length, shall be for the common use for the city. For dwellings and for open country, in the midst shall be the city. And these shall be its measurements: the north side forty five hundred cubits, the south side forty five hundred, the east side forty five hundred, and the west side forty five hundred. And the city shall have open land: on the north two hundred fifty cubits, on the south two hundred fifty, on the east two hundred fifty and on the west 250. The remainder of the length alongside the holy portion shall be 10,000 cubits to the east and 10,000 to the west, and it shall be alongside the holy portion. Its produce should be food for the workers of the city, and the workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall till it. The whole portion that you shall set apart shall be 25,000 cubits square, that is the holy portion together with the property of the city. What remains on both sides of the holy portion of the property of the city shall belong to the prince." Extending from the 25,000 cubits of the holy portion to the east border, and westward from the 25,000 cubits to the west border, parallel to the tribal portions. It shall belong to the prince. The holy portion with the sanctuary of the temple shall be in its midst. It shall be separate from the property of the Levites and the property of the city, which are in the midst of that which belongs to the prince. The portion of the prince shall lie between the territory of Judah and the territory of Benjamin. As for the rest of the tribes, from the east side to the west, Benjamin one portion, Adjoining the territory of Benjamin from the east side to the west, Simeon, one portion. Adjoining to the territory of Simeon from the east side to the west, Issachar, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Issachar from the east side to the west, Zebulun, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Zebulun from the east side to the west, Gad, one portion. And adjoining the territory of Gad to the south, the boundary shall run from Tamar to the waters of Mirba Kadesh, from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This is the land that you shall allot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And these are their portions, declares the Lord God. These shall be the exits of the city. On the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, and the gate of Levi, the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. On the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Issachar, the gate of Zebulun. On the west side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, the gate of Naphtali. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that time on shall be, the Lord is there. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.